Well, good morning, church. Grateful to be with you here this morning at our online service. We're also grateful to be gathering live in person for the first time ever at Bonnie's, albeit at a limited capacity. And so uh, if you didn't get the opportunity to join us this morning because our registration filled up, I uh, want to encourage you to keep an eye out for the email that's going to be coming out uh, in the days ahead so you can make sure to reserve your spot if you so want to join us uh, at Bonnie's. But church, it has been uh, a heavy season. It has been a heavy um, few days. A lot has transpired. Uh, many of us are still trying to wrap our minds around all that has happened, uh, injustice, um, all the things that we're grappling with uh, in our culture, in uh, America today, in our community at large. And so I'm grateful for God's word. Uh, my words are inadequate. I don't have um, a perfect thing to say. I don't even have the right thing to say. And at times I feel like I don't even know what to say. And so I'm grateful that God gives us a source of wisdom um, and gives us a a path forward should we uh, submit to his rule and his authority in our lives. And so um, I'm grateful that we're in Romans 8, providentially walking through this and the verses that we're in uh, this morning have been a great um, challenge to me and a great comfort to me and a great source of wisdom to me as we navigate these complex waters that we find ourselves uh, navigating. And so um, I'm going to let God's word really root our hearts and our minds uh, with what he would have for us. And so uh, replace our wisdom with his wisdom. Uh, we're in replace um, the limited capacity we have for love in our hearts with his unlimited capacity for love for others. And so that's what we want. That's what we desire. And so uh, let's jump into Romans Chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Our passages that we're going to primarily be looking at are uh, verses 3 and 4. Um, Romans 8 says this, There is now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirits. Now that's a mouthful, that's uh, there's a lot happening there. There's maybe some confusing parts in that. Let me just read verses three and four again, and we'll uh, jump in here. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay, so what's going on here? Um, we touched on this a little bit last week. So the old 
approach was this. The old way uh, was this, was that God's law demanded from us something that was impossible. Uh, And that was the old way. And God now in Christ has replaced that old way with a new way. And this new way is this, is that the Holy Spirit, a gift given to us by God uh, that that is now ours, helps us obey God and take one step at a time in his strength, not in our own strength. And so these two verses, Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, explain to us something Uh, amazing. They help us understand the difference between Christianity and all other forms of religion that we see and that we try to live in and that we try to live up to. So what do I mean by other forms of religion? Well, um, you certainly have all a lot of the other, you could compare them to the other sort of world religions. You also have just this idea of moralistic deism. I'm just a good person. I do the right thing. Uh, I'm going to earn my way back to God, karma, Christianity. I'm going to tip the scales in my favor. You have religion that's seeped in idealism. You have religious sort of thoughts that are steeped in wishful thinking. And you even have sort of uh, a religious sort of bandwidth that's uh, self-exaltation. That's just all about making myself feel better about the things I do. And you also have religion that's steeped in just sentimentalism. Well, I grew up doing this, my granny did it, my granddaddy did it, and so now this is what I do. Um, And Romans 8 combats these things, these false forms of religion, these false ways of us trying to um, earn our way back to God. Because all religion does is it keeps reminding you of the incredible potential that you have deep down in you if you would just get it and do better next time. If you'd finally just wake up. In fact, our world is telling us all the time is that if you would just reach deep down, is that real deep down inside of us somewhere, we have this basic goodness And all you have to do is reach inside of yourself to find it and you'll finally do better. Um, And as I look at the landscape of history, uh, as I look at the landscape of even the last few days, uh, that just doesn't work. And it has never worked. Christianity says something very different than... uh, the religious grids that we so often get trapped in. Christianity says that we are flawed down to the very deepest levels of ourselves in places we didn't even know we had. And we cannot, no matter how hard we try, choose to just do better. We cannot do the sin that so easily entangles us. It's just like second nature to us. We just fall into it without even thinking. But here's the good news. Here's the great news of Christianity. God, in his goodness, gives us something that can actually change us. And it's not found deep down within us. 
and it's not found by accessing some new place in us. He gives us something from outside of ourselves that can actually help us. And Romans 8 tells us that it's his Holy Spirit. It's not found from within us. It comes from outside of us and then comes into us. God, the perfect one, gives to you and I, who at our very core are moral failures. He gives to us, even in that place, his greatest gift so that he can change our hard hearts, so that he can change our um, wicked minds. This is great news because um, our nation is in trouble. Um, let's turn on the news, scroll through social media. Uh, we're divided. Um, we are angry. Uh, many of us do not see a way forward. If, you, if we do see a way forward, we disagree vehemently with other people about what that is. We have racism rampant. We have class divisions. We have political pandering that's going on all around us. We have a neglect for human life. We have murder happening on the evening news. It's heartbreaking. Uh, we're in trouble. And uh, this week, um, I felt that more than, more than ever, I feel that weight. I feel it right now. And I hope all of us have felt that. So we need help. Um, and church, um, we can't find it in empty political speeches. Uh, we can't find it by trying real hard to do better next time. Um, we need help from above. I'm convinced of that. That's what God's word tells us over and over and over again. We need the very heart of God to replace and change our wickedly, morally bankrupt hearts that I have and that you have outside of Christ. Um, and so as I was thinking about this, uh, yes, we are deeply divided. That's very clear. But we're also far more united than I think any of us really can imagine. What do I mean by that? Well, we are all united in a brokenness and in a sickness that is bound up in what the Bible calls the flesh. That word that we just encountered in Romans 8. That is something that unites every one of us. We're bound up in a brokenness and in a sickness that we cannot escape on our own. And the Bible calls it the flesh. People on all sides, whatever political spectrum you have, whatever color of skin you have, are fed up. Um, people want new laws passed. People want reform. People uh, want change. Yes, we need that desperately, of course. These are all good things. These need to happen. We need to look at these things from all the different systems that are occurring in our country today and in our world today. But Christianity 
says that God has done for us in our impasse what we, ca- we cannot figure out a way forward. It seems like a closed door on either side of the aisle. God has done in that impasse um, for you and I, if we're found in Christ, something that even God's law could not do for us, Romans 8 tells us. That is a huge statement. So what does God's law um, call us to do, demand of us, call us into? Well, God's law calls us to love God so fully and so pervasively that we spend our days setting captives free, liberating the oppressed, and proclaiming the day of the Lord's favor until he comes again one day in glory. God's law demands no racism, just genuine love for one another. God's law demands no theft, just generosity. God's law demands no murder, just valuing human life above all else. Fair, equal treatment of everyone. God's law demands no sexual immorality, just purity. But here's the deal. We've had God's law all this time. We know the right way. Um, We know what's good. We know uh, what's humane. We know what's desirable. We know what righteousness should be or should look like. But we cannot walk in it. Why? Because of the flesh. So what does this mean? God gives us this beautiful picture of what it means to live with one another in harmony and in love and in grace. Uh, he's, he's provided us this, this way in his law. So we need to quit blaming God and start thanking God because um, he's, he's given us some very clear expectations And so God, Romans 8, he's saying that law that we can never live up to, uh, that just sort of um, condemns us, um, we can start thanking God because he's given us something amazing. And he's given us something that all forms of the law could never do that all pep talks can never do, that political jargon can never do, that Fox News can never teach you, that CNN can never teach you, that New Year's resolutions can't do for you, that social media promises can't do for you, and that our five steps to whatever we think will be the solution can never measure up in. God has done for us what we could not do and even what God's law could not do for us because of the flesh. This is what the gospel is saying. Verse three, for God has done, right? That's what it says. That's Christianity. Not what we should do, but what God has done and not even what God asks you to do. That's the law. Christianity is about something God has done for you that you could never do. That is... The wonderful surprise of the Christian gospel. And it's what I need today. And it's what you need today.
And it's what our brothers and sisters all over this country need today. A love that comes from somewhere else because it is not found in us, but from the Holy Spirit of God himself now given to us. And so Christianity, uh, as we read in Romans 8, that reveals to us has a very unique answer to the very urgent question that is being asked all over the place. And the question is this, how do we change? How can broken people change? How can we become kind and just and equitable and reasonable and wise? In other words, how do we actually get better? How can we do better? How do we move forward? Christianity's answer to this question is that we change not by the law, but by grace. We change not by ideals, but by mercy. The law does not change us down deep. The law just accuses us. Um, it doesn't change the inroads into our hearts and produce anything out with the works of our hands. It just accuses us. But grace does change us. Because grace cracks into grace from the outside, from God, by the Holy Spirit, cracks our hardened hearts open to the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is where we begin to see change. That's God's remedy for a broken world. Um, his helper does his work and his people And he says he does that um, in every tribe, tongue, and nation. No matter what the color of your skin is, no matter what your upbringing was, he can do that with anyone. And all it takes is the empty hands of faith and he fills us and he begins to change us. So verse three, let's look at it real quickly. Verse three and four, God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Here we see that for the first time in Romans eight, the word flesh and its opposite to the spirit. And so um, by flesh, Paul doesn't really mean our bodies. He doesn't mean our skin color. Paul means our flesh, our natural born selves held down by greed, held down by prejudice, held down by sarcasm, by pride, held down by selfishness, just for starters. It's, it's all of those things, right? And so if you're just kind of fed up with life, if you're fed up with everything that you're seeing, you're in a good place. If you're just fine with how things are and you're just, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm just fine. Well, maybe you need to be careful because you might be living in the shackles of your flesh because we shouldn't like the broken systems and places that we find ourselves being confronted with, even in our own hearts. We should be fed up. So this word flesh also alerts us to something else. It alerts us to the fact that what is wrong with us is deeper than just a choice. The Bible says that we are so corrupted that for us, sin is as unchosen as hunger. We can't help but get hungry when we don't get food. 
that sin for us is as comfortable as sleep. That's the flesh. The flesh is the real you and I. At the end of the day, not prettied up with socially acceptable appearances. The flesh cannot change. We can't escape it. We need a miracle. And Romans 8 tells us that God is not defeated by our flesh. And here's how decisive God was in giving to us the miracle that we desperately need. Verse 3, the end of verse 3, he condemned sin in the flesh. Here we see what God did. The law uh, could not do it. So God condemned our sin. God condemned our sin in Christ's human flesh at the cross. God executed his final sentence on our sin in Christ's death. And here's what I want to see, that God's condemnation at the cross was so resolute, it was so final, that he doomed sin's very presence in us. Something decisive happened at the cross. So here's the, know this, at the cross, God did not create just a possibility for goodness. God settled something at the cross. At the cross, God said that our sin and our flesh will not have the final say here in this world. God condemned our sin in the flesh of Christ, our Savior, on the cross, and that is our great hope for change. That is where uh, racist hearts begin to change. That is where greedy hearts begin to be generous. Um, that is where adulterous hearts begin to find purity. The law can't do that for us. Policy can't do that for us. Christ can. He is our hope. And so we lean heavy on him this morning. Uh, law is not our great hope. It reveals our great need. But the grace of God through Jesus Christ is our great hope, the gospel. Yes, we still have deep crevices sort of in the recesses that we didn't even know they were there. We may not even still know that they are there and we're not even aware that they exist in us, but God sees all of us for who we are. He sees all of our flesh. He sees all of our wickedness. He sees all of our moral failures and he still dealt with it at the cross 2,000 years ago. And as a result of him paying for it fully, we can be honest with ourselves. We can be honest with each other and we can be honest with him. Why? Because remember verse one, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so we can be open-handed, we can be honest about our shortcomings and failings, and we can plead and beg him by his spirit to change us and to move us. And then here's how grace changes us as we stumble forward, verse four, we're almost done in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to 
the Spirit. God settles us in his grace. Uh, he gives us somehow his peace and he gets us moving in his grace and in his power and his peace and his love and in his justice and we begin to care about the things that are dear to him. And he begins to root out dark places in our hearts and in our minds. He begins to heal um, racist divisions. He begins to heal uh, sinful patterns in us. He begins to heal lustful desires in us and replace them with pure ones. Um, and so if you want to see change, if you're like me and you desperately want to see change, I want to see change in my heart. I want to see change in our country. Um, it's not found just somewhere deep within us. It's found outside of ourselves. We turn to Christ. We show others Christ. And we receive something better when we do that, the Holy Spirit from God. And so this week, I want us as God's people to, to just plead with them, God, send your spirit. We need you. We need to hear from you. Um, I need my wicked thoughts replaced with your good ones. Um, we need your help, God. Um, replace what I think is the best in me and give me the best that you have, and that is your spirits. So Christianity is not just moralism. It's not just new laws that we abide by. Uh, it's a miracle, the Bible tells us. And that's really what we need today. That's our hope. Let's pray that he would act. Let's pray that he would move because we need him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, heal our broken land. Heal our broken hearts. Heal my broken heart. Heal places in me that are not of you. Heal any prejudices. Heal any um, division in me. God, bring... Um, justice to those that are in, in injustice. Lord, we ask you'd set captives free. We ask that we would be a part of the things that you uh, are a part of that are near and dear to your heart. May we be uh, men and women in a church that upholds the things that are found in the light and not lurking in the darkness. Lord, we long to be rid of this flesh. But Lord, in the meantime, God, would you replace our fleshly desires with your great Holy Spirit so that we can walk with you for your glory and your namesake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.